Shalom to all. Today's off is Kalam Yotas, and we are starting Yud Ches Amr Beis, about two lines up from the bottom with the words Keni Masnisa, and in the Vilna Tzur Sadaf, it's right at the beginning of Yud Amr Beis. And today's daf is sponsored Lilu Nishmas, Mars Miriam Sarabas, Yaakov Moshe, Her Neshama should have an Aliyah. Now the Mishnah had said that one is not allowed to be Saimech, a row of Chardal or Charia next to a field of Tavuah, but he is allowed to be Saimech, a row of this Chardal or Charia next to a field of Yerukais. But now the Gemara clarifies what the Mishnah is really telling us. Keni Masnisa, this is what the Mishnah is saying, Ain Makifin, that one is not allowed to around a field of tevuah with chardol or charia. Halis ma'ich soimchin, but one would be allowed to be soimech one row of chardol or charia next to a field of tevuah. And why is this? So when chardol surrounds a field, it causes slight damage to the crops. And the reason why he would not be allowed to be makif to surround his field with it must be because he's keeping it here on purpose because there's enough chardol for him to benefit from. And therefore it's kalayim. It's only when he plants one row next to his field, there's clearly not so much benefit from it. Therefore it's permitted because it's clear he's just there to check if his soil can grow chardol. Now that means that when the Mishnah allows it with his day Yerakos, that means hekef of chardol Kharia around the field of Yerakos is permitted. And the Gemara Yotan Salman Al-Fantab clarifies, Masnis and Rebuda, our Mishnah is a contribuda. The time we have a Braisa, in Makifan Chardol Kharia El Chasoyos Bolvad Div Rab Meir, Rab Meir says we're only allowed to be makif a field with chardol Kharia if we're talking about Chasoyos. Chasoyos is like onions and garlic, and these things really will get damaged by the chardol Kharia, and that's why he's allowed to leave it planted here, because obviously he's not going to be keeping it there for long, it's just as a test run, but other things will not get damaged so much, such as Tivua, like in our Mishnah, and therefore, if he's keeping the Chardol and Charia there, it must be he wants it to grow, and that's why it's considered Kalayim. And again, this is the opinion of Meir. However, Rabbi Yudah and Rabbi Yudah says, He's allowed to surround any field with Chardol and Charia, except for grain, like we explained. Whereas Rabbi Shimon says, We can be makif any field with Chardol and Charia, even Tivua. And Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, Small rows of vegetables are allowed to be surrounded with Chardol and because since it's not normal to plant mustard over here, it's obviously he's planting it here just for a test run and not because he wants to keep it here. And we continue talking about Chardol and Charia. The Gemara says, Tanu, we have a brasa, Motorhu Adam Shura Shel Chardol Charia. A person's allowed to plant a row of Chardol and Charia in the middle of his field. As long as he makes the length of this row, 10 amas and a half, al of malayi, and the width has to be the full width of a regular row, which is six tfachim. So as long as his row of mustard is 10 and a half amas long and six tfachim wide, that's okay. Now, Amr Blazer Blazer clarifies, this is only when we're talking about a small field, but in a large field, not. Now we explain, what's a large field and what's a small field? If in between each row of this field, meaning the regular rows, there's a full base roiva, there's 10 amas in between, that's considered a large field. Vim lav, zuikitana, but if not, that's considered a small field. Now, the reason why when we're talking about a large field, this row of mustard planted does not have to be 10 amas long, is because since there's a raiva, there's 10 amas in between his two rows of barley, for example, his field is planted with barley, and he's planting his row of chardol in the middle, that means that there's half of a raiva from each row of barley to the chardol. And this is mutter because we view it as tar, meaning we imagine as if there's barley planted in the shape of a triangle from the row of barley up until the chardol, and we know that tar is okay. And it's only when it's a small field that we have to have this row of chardol being ten and a half amas long. Now the Gemara says, Let's have the Rabbi Doesn't this argue with Rabbi Yechanan? What did Rabbi Yechanan say two daf ago? Rabbi Yechanan Amar, he told us, Rosh tar habame chorva asr. Then Rosh tar that's coming from chorva, from empty land, is asr. In other words, we had learned that Shittas Rabbi Yechanan is, we can't imagine that we have Rosh tar here. We actually have to physically have grain planted in the shape of a Rosh tar in order to say that it's Rosh tar and is permitted. But just to imagine that it's so, like we're imagining over here, that 
that's not considered Rosh Tar that's permitted. So this Brisa seems to be not like Rabbi Echanan. So the Gemara answer is no. Taman Lizrain. Over there, we're talking about Zerah, meaning we're talking about two different types of grain, for example, a field of wheat next to a field of barley. Over there, the only way we could say Rosh Tar is if we physically have Rosh Tar, meaning the field of wheat, for example, is planted in the shape of an arrow or a point right up to the field of barley. Bavakan Liyurakos. Over here, we're talking about vegetables because Chardal is considered a Yerak. And the Gemara just speaks this out. Afalgad Rabbi Echanan Palak Bizraim, even though Rabbi Echanan argues about Rosh Tar when it comes to Zraim, he agrees over here when we're talking about Yerakais that we could imagine that we have Rosh Tar even though physically we don't have Rosh Tar. And the marketing is with another case. Garid, dry land, he could plant anything he wants within this dry land, which means he has, let's say, a field of wheat. And in the middle of this field of wheat, there's a patch of very dry land, which is not normal to plant something on. So one's allowed to plant a totally different min, for example, barley in this dry patch of land, even though we don't have the standard requisite distance in between this barley and wheat, because it's very clear that this is a totally different field. Again, even though it's not a large field, but this small patch of land is clearly recognizable and distinguishable from the rest of the field. Now, you have to on top, we have a clarification of this. says, That's as long as three of the six Tfachim are filled with barley that he wants to plant in it. Meaning this patch of grid, this patch of dry land has to be at least six Tfachim wide and at least three of those Tfachim have to be planted with this new min. And only then are we able to say that this is clearly distinguishable from the rest of the field. Now something similar Rabbi Yechen tells us, The three Tfachim that's right next to a fence is also viewed as grid as dry land. Usually the three Tfachim right next to a fence surrounding a field is not planted in because it's usually very dry, and therefore if one chooses to plant something in it, it's viewed as grid, it's viewed as a totally separate patch of land different from the field, and he could plant something else totally different inside these three Tfachim that are next to the fence. Now that's how Yushlesh Abbasach Shisha, he planted barley, again that's the example that we've been using, three Tfachim within the six Tefach patch. Ve'echad Chutz Shisha, then he planted another Tefach of barley outside this six Tefach dry patch of land. And it means that this other Tefach that he planted is really in the regular field of wheat. It's not considered Kilayim because Me'achash Hutzlu Elu Avzeh Hutzal. Since these three Tfachim inside the dry patch of land are saved because they're considered a totally separate field, if you will, so too, this one Tefach outside of it is viewed as connected to that which is inside and it's saved as well and it's not Kalayim. However, let's say only two out of the six Tfachim of his dry land are planted, and one outside the sixth Tfachim patch of dry land is planted, since these two Tfachim aren't saved, this one Tfachim was planted outside is also not saved, and we don't view these three Tfachim as being planted together and say that they're all okay. Since we don't have three Tfachim planted inside this dry patch of land, so nothing here is okay. Now another scenario, within this field, he has a dry patch of of land, which is the width of a shura, a row, which is six tfachim, and also vishura gader. He has this row of three tfachim right next to the fence. But then vishura, he has another row, which means he has another six tefach row in between the six tefach patch of dry land and the row next to the fence. And this row in between is the regular field. It's nice, moist, geschmack land. It's not dry land like next to the fence or like this dry patch of land in the middle of the field. So then we say chayvshin as hashura. These two dry patches of land, they're chayvish. They surround around this row in the middle, and this row in the middle takes on the din of the grid of the dry land, and only one min is allowed to be planted in this entire area, we're not allowed to plant a different min in this middle row, which again is moist land, we have to plant the same thing inside that row. Whatever we're planting in the dry land, we have to plant in this row also. Another scenario. Now this is the proper gear saw. Gagoy shall gather 
case sodais. The top of a fence is like the case of sodais. Now, what does it mean the top of a fence? So let's say he has two fields, and in between the fields, he has a fence. And this fence is 10 tefachim tall, so it's considered a proper fence, and he wants to plant on top of the fence. There's a significant thickness to it, and he figures, hey, why not use that space as well? What's he allowed to plant on top of that fence? Does it have to be the same meaning that's planted in the fields that are right up to the fence? Or could it be a totally separate min? So the answer to that is, as we just said, kisadais. That's looked at just like the following case of fields. What does that mean? So the Gemara brings a brisa. We have two fields, one on top of the other, which means they're right next to each other, but one is higher than the other. Let's say they're on a slope, they're on a mountain or something like that. So we have an upper field and a lower field. The upper field is considered like it's right next to a ditch. Why? Because at the end of this field, there's a drop to the lower field. So that drop is considered like a ditch. And the bottom one is considered like it's next to a fence because the bottom one ends off by a little bit of a wall, which is the slope or the height leading up to the upper one. And therefore, it's considered like there's a proper mechitza in between these two fields. And each field is allowed to have planted in it whatever he wants. He doesn't have to plant both fields with the same thing, even though there isn't really a separation in between them. Because again, the fact that they're on two different levels makes us view it as if there's a fence in between them. And something similar, the Be'er B'yani Amri, the base measure of B'yani says, Gather Motel Ezra'i call men, the proper girsa is Shi'irza. When we have a fence dividing in between two fields, he could plant anything he wants on top of that fence, because this fence is a clear demarcation in between two fields, and it's considered like its own separate entity, and therefore he could plant anything he wants on top of that fence. We're going to stop here for the day, but pick up tomorrow, continue to talk about a fence. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.